Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Are you looking for a non-judgmental way to prepare for childbirth, something that's evidence-based and is going to teach you all of your options? Talk about your pros and your cons and the risks and the benefits transparently so that you can truly feel informed. Well, I want to tell you about the Birth Lounge. It truly has no agenda other than helping you feel informed, understand your options, and stay in control during labor. It is all data-driven content by reliable research because I know that it's hard to understand your options and what you can and can't say no to in the hospital. I know that hospital policy is really confusing and it changes from hospital to hospital. So understanding your options in each scenario is going to be key to you having a birth that you love and avoiding birth trauma. I want to give you back control and I'm going to do that in the birth lounge. I'm going to teach you all of your options so that you can truly remain in the driver's seat. You can be the decision maker. You can feel confident making your decisions because you know the data and the science. You know what the research says and you know what the safe options are for you and your baby. Check out thebirthlounge.com to join today. Hey y'all and welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. Alright you guys, last episode we talked about formula feeding your baby and I previously had on IBCLCs and lactation support people to help talk you through nursing and breastfeeding. But another option that you have when it comes to feeding your baby is exclusively pumping. Now, this really works for some people, and it really doesn't for others. And that is exactly what today's episode is all about. How do you figure out if exclusively pumping is for you? I want to help you explore this option. So today, I'm super excited to have my friend, Jackie Sission, who is an IBCLC, on to talk about everything that you need to know about being an exclusive pumper. Jackie is a registered nurse and a certified lactation counselor. And after she gave birth to her son, she had several struggles, which catapulted her into the world of breastfeeding and lactation support. She is determined to help close the gap between lactating mothers and breast pumps. And she now offers one-to-one pumping consultations to help you improve your experience and increase the likelihood of 
Success. I love how Jackie describes pumping as a sport and talks about how it requires an entirely new set of breastfeeding skills. We are going to be diving into the time and commitment and mental load that it takes to be an exclusive pumper. What kind of things that might pop up along the way that feel discouraging and how do you fix those? And then also, how do you know if you're using the right flange size? Using a flange that's too small or too big can be really problematic. You guys are going to love her, so let's get her on. Jackie, welcome to the show. I am so happy to be here and talk with everybody. My name is Jackie. I am a registered nurse is my background. I did oncology nursing for eight years, and then I had my son. And through my struggles with breastfeeding, I decided to leave my job and pursue lactation counseling career so that I could be at home with my son and then also be able to help other women because my struggle was very real and I had no idea what was coming. (laughs) And I really wanted to just change this for other mothers. And like my big passion project, I guess, is exclusively pumping and helping moms with that because that's what I ended up doing, but it wasn't through like, you know, a professional telling me that that was possible. It was me using YouTube and Instagram and whatever outlets we have, right? It's social media and YouTube pretty much. It was like the wild, wild west for me. Nothing was carved out for me. I felt like I just really had to figure it out as I went and made a lot of mistakes and hit a lot of bumps in the road. Luckily, I hadn't returned back to work. I attribute that to really my success because without all of the time to research and be able to pump and make the mistakes and fix them. I don't think that I would have been able to breastfeed my son for 14 months. So with my struggles, I'm really just trying to change that for future moms who do want to breastfeed. And so now I've started a business with lactation counseling and I guess that's my, my little story. I love that. Okay. Cool. So we're here to talk about being an exclusive pumper and how we can make that an empowered thing. I think that a lot of people think about pumping as almost a semi-failure and they're like, oh, well, I had to be an exclusive pumper or like, oh, well, I could only pump where I just see it as like, I chose to feed my baby this way, or maybe I needed to, maybe it wasn't your priority and wasn't your preference. I totally hold space for that as well, that sometimes, you know, breastfeeding just doesn't work, even though that is your preference, but you can still have an empowered pumping experience, even if it wasn't your first choice. I want to dive into that. So talk to us, maybe let's start with... Maybe why would someone need to transition to be an exclusive pumper? And then also maybe map out what that kind of looks like. What does it mean to be an exclusive pumper since it doesn't get a lot of kind of airtime? I think breastfeeding and bottle feeding formula, we all know about those, but exclusive pumping, it almost feels like this, it's like a gray abyss, like, oh, we've heard of it. We like kind of know what it is. But when I picture in my brain, I think a lot of people can't. Yeah, I am very passionate about normalizing it as much as possible through like educating people. But really, it depends on how, from my experience with working with moms and my own experience, I think it really starts with your birth, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, but unfortunately, sometimes you have like these really, you know, unforeseen circumstances that happen during your birth process, which could be, you know, maybe you had to deliver your baby early and they went to the NICU and 
or they just were born early and needed the NICU, whatever complications might've happened. And then you're away from baby and you can't put them to the breast. So some moms are, you know, kind of forced into starting with the pump. And then because there's nothing more powerful than the colostrum and the breast milk when you have a NICU baby, but then, you know, some babies are born with ties. And so, you know, for whatever reason, baby isn't latching or, I actually recently spoke with a mom who had some sexual abuse history and I had never, you know, you, you kind of only have like these scenarios in your head for what you maybe went through. And then you talk to other women and it's like, holy cow, like you serve not only survived that, but now you've had a baby and you still want to provide breast milk for them. You just can't do like the touch, you know, whatever that, that gave to her, whatever sort of things were coming up for with breastfeeding with her totally like honor that, but also honor the fact that like, you still want to provide this breast milk for your baby and you're willing to do the work that it takes by pumping. And I just like, there's so many different reasons that have come up that I'm like, wow, I hadn't, like, I would have never thought of that, you know, that are just, and you know, some moms adopt and then they can do induced lactation. There's just so many variables of why someone may have wanted to pump. And then there's some moms that are forced into pumping. So it's definitely not something that's an easy track. And actually a lot of moms, if they, if their baby started in the NICU and they try to transition back to the breast, they have a hard time with that too. And they just find it a little bit easier. And how do I say this more reassuring to know the ounces that their child was getting versus, you know, having like the sort of, cause they want them to grow and thrive. And so you know, that one thing that you can kind of control, so to say, is, you know, the amount of ounces that they're getting in a, in a day. So that's also another, you know, sorry, that's a lot of examples, but there's so many. <laughs> so I mean, many. that doesn't even cover all of them, right? That's just things that, that are on your brain that you've seen. There are a million different reasons, just like everyone comes to the table with a million different reasons, I guess with any decision, why they want an unmedicated delivery, why they choose to breastfeed, why they choose to skip breastfeeding altogether and do formula feeding, like whatever your choice is, everyone is going to have something different. Okay. So what does it, what does it look like to be an exclusive pumper? Things that come to my mind are like, gosh, the time commitment and <laughs> things are getting better now. Pumps are getting better, but even just three years ago, there were very limited options that kept you mobile. So it was a lot of time sitting in the chair. A lot of times you felt like you were missing out with your family. There's a lot of cleaning because you got a lot of parts. There's a lot of parts to keep up with. That's extra mental load. So tell us kind of like if someone was interested in being an exclusive pumper, there's listening being like, wow, this might be a really good tool for me. Take us through what a day looks like in an exclusive pumper's life. Yeah, so I think first of all, anybody who wants to, or is considering exclusively pumping, you really have to be committed to the power of your breast milk. If you're not committed to that and providing that to your child, there's so many things that can come up along the way that can really dis discourage you. So I just want to start with that, but it's possible. It's not impossible. It's completely possible. You just have to have the right tools and the right like support system and really find your community, whoever that may be, whether it's through your podcast or your Instagram, whoever is, you know, wherever you can find that to really just be the support that you need to keep going because it's really hard. Some nights are really hard and it's really hard to clean one more bottle. But what that looks like is essentially anytime <clears throat> the very, very newborn stages 
usually if you weren't putting baby to breast at all, you want to start at like 12 pumps a day is like the usual norm. This is just very general. This is not for any individual, but just very generally speaking. And then typically once they're out of those very newborn you know, days, you can drop down to eight pumps a day, but somewhere between eight and 10, and then eventually it tapers off more. But essentially anytime your baby needs a bottle, you're going to be replacing that with a pump session. <clears throat> First of all, have to definitely have a good pump. So every mom out there, if you're expecting a baby, even if it's baby number two, it's important to know that you get a free breast pump through your insurance if you're in the United States. And it's really important to get like a high quality pump to start with. Even if you don't know like how much you're going to breastfeed and pump, it's super important to get, don't just buy the like fancy one that fits in your bra. That's really expensive. You just need the basics when you're getting started. And then you can go from there once you know the groove and what you actually need to match your lifestyle. So, but so anyway, what that looks like is let's say you need to wake up at your baby wakes up at six o'clock and you need to feed them in the morning. You're giving them the bottle. You can still do all the things that maybe somebody who's nursing is doing, but you're not. So you can still do the skin to skin. You're still interacting with them. You're still talking to them. And you know, all of those things, I don't want any mom to feel like this is a failure quote unquote, and that you can't still have all those important bonding things. You just there's just this one, one little thing. It's a big thing, but it's also something that you can supplement in a different way. But so if your baby's having a bottle at 6am, then you would give the baby the bottle and then you would need to pump either during that bottle, which is really hard to manage sometimes. So you would just pump right after they're done with their bottle and so on and so forth. And typically that's like every two to three hours and exclusive pumpers need like extra pieces and parts. So so that you're not literally washing everything back to back and your hands are like, you know, cracked and dry and dried and, you know, cause it's a lot of washing, but you need to, you know, clean all of your parts and the bottle parts and you need a good support system and you have to set alarms so that you don't forget to pump, especially if baby, like all of a sudden sleeps through the night, you might still be needing to get up in the middle of the night in order to maintain your supply. And yeah, your prolactin levels actually follow the circadian rhythm. So your milk production is highest at night, which is unfortunate, but it's one thing that really helps with your milk supply, especially in the beginning months. So I don't know if that sums it up, but <laughs> yeah, I think that was a really good kind of illustration of in general, and you said it, but everyone's going to have their own flow and their own routines and kind of their own individual needs and preferences and touches that they put into that routine. But I think that did a really great job of in general, this is what you're looking at because everyone can picture breastfeeding around the clock. That's pretty easy for us. But what does it look like to incorporate a pump? So I guess you keep talking about a session, a session, a session. Are we talking about 20 minute sessions each time? So that's something that I really work with when I work with moms individually is that we really would like a pump session to not be more than 20 to 25 minutes, especially as an exclusive pumper, because that's a lot of time and your time is valuable. So a lot of times I'll see moms and they've been doing pump sessions for like 30 to 35 minutes. They're still not getting good milk output. And so, you know, we have a discussion around all of that. And typically it's the flange size that mm -hmm. is causing the issue for them. And so you know, sometimes you try to do all the things as a mom, but sometimes you just need a little bit of help to like, you know, these are the tools that we have. And like, let's try these things, you know, to make it a little more efficient for you. So. 
Okay. What about a hand pump? We were talking a lot about electric pumps. Can you be an exclusive pumper with a hand pump? Is it nice to have it as a supplemental tool? Are you just not a fan of them? Where do we fall on the the spectrum of hand pumps? And also, why might someone use that? So the hand pumps are very a very powerful tool. Um, I always recommend moms who are like if I see them prenatally, I recommend that they bring it to the hospital, especially for the colostrum collection because it's really hard. So when a mom is expecting to go into labor, I always recommend that they bring the hand pump to the hospital with them. Some hospitals will or birth center wherever they're giving birth, but. Some hospitals will give you a hand pump and some don't. I don't know like who does and who doesn't. So I just always say it's better to bring your own so you can learn it anyway. It's good to know how to use it. And then as far as using it like every day as an exclusive pumper, I think it would be exhausting. It's a lot of muscle (laughs) that goes into that, just operating the hand pump. And you can get tired doing that. I actually recently saw a mom too who had carpal tunnel. So it was like really exhausting for her, which I was just thinking, I wonder if you get carpal tunnel from doing that, but like definitely. Okay. Yeah. Not not realistic to use it all the time. However, I recently created a reel about this and a mom replied to me that she uses a Haka on one side and she uses the hand pump on the other. And that's how she exclusively pumps. And I'm like, that's phenomenal. However, I couldn't have survived that way, but like, I'm not going to say it's impossible. Anything is possible. (laughs) Determination goes a long way, but for me personally, I wouldn't have done it that way. But I always say to have a hand pump because if your power goes out or you have like something in your pump parts break, or you get to work and you forgot one piece of your pump, like I literally tell moms to have one in the diaper bag, have one in the car and have one at work. Like, so that, you know, anywhere from baby you can they're cheap I think they're like usually under twenty dollars I'm sure you could buy an expensive one but you don't need to I also have created a couple of videos about this because there's so many moms that don't actually know how to use it or they've been using it not wrong it's not like you won't get milk out but sometimes moms aren't using you know the phases the right way and they're like oh that's why it wasn't very comfortable yeah (laughs) you know but they're very important Got it. Okay. So in terms of things that pop up that can easily discourage you, one of the things that I often see, and I do want to circle back to this and kind of get your list of things that pop up that may be discouraging to people. But one of the things that I see a lot is people not getting a lot of milk out when they pump. And when we actually narrow it down to the problem, it is their flange size. They are working with a flange size that's either too big or too small for them. So talk to us about that. Talk to us about maybe how do you know what your flange size is? And then what are the problems we're going to encounter if we're working with a flange size that is either too large or too small for our body? Yeah. So flange size, unfortunately, when you get a breast pump, most of them, very few of them, it's changing. It's getting a little bit better, but unfortunately they don't have like a big red sticker that says, you know, measure yourself first before you start using this. So usually a breast pump will come with a size 24 and a size 28 millimeter flange, which is typically way too big for most people. 
not all, but for most. And so usually what moms will do, especially if you weren't planning on using your pump a lot, because you're just, I'm just going to nurse. Like that was your plan. That was my plan. I had no intention actually of using my breast pump. Cause I'm like, I'm going to be a stay at home mom. Like I don't need, what do I need the pump for? I ordered it just in case. <laughs> well, good thing I did. But so typically the most common size nipple is a 17 millimeter from just what I've researched and what I know, which is extremely small compared to what comes with your pump usually. And so there's actually a great tool. Pumpables is one of the pump brands. They're relatively new, but a great, great brand, great community. If anybody is looking for like a pumping or breastfeeding community, they have a really great Instagram page, but they also have a free downloadable ruler. And so you can print it off at home. Of course you could buy, you could also buy a nipple ruler on, you know, Amazon or be my breast friend has one. But if you just wanted something to really quick, kind of like get an idea of where you're at, you can download it for free, do your measurement and then go from there. So I recently heard this on another podcast with a lactation consultant and she was saying her theory on why breast pumps typically come with too big of a flange size is because you can get away with much less damage to the mother and the mother's nipple with too big of a flange versus too small. So much less damage typically is caused um, from a too big one versus too small is going to really cause some tissue damage. So that actually makes a lot of sense to me. But if your flange size is too big, typically what I see is that moms are struggling with their supply. So, you know, they're really getting like 10 ounces less. So they're having to supplement with formula nothing wrong with formula whatsoever. I'm not against it, but if that's not your plan and what you want to happen, you know, it's really hard to deal with. So, you know, typically it's just a matter of changing your flange size and then you can over time, start getting your milk volumes back up. Not necessarily instantly. It takes time, but for your body to be like, oh, you do need this milk that was sitting in you know, your breasts all this time. 10 ounces is a lot as well. Like that's, that's a huge amount. That's a big difference. Yeah. Especially when like, I've had recently had a mom who was going back to school full time and she's like, I've been nursing this whole time. And now I'm trying to switch to the pump and I can't figure out why, you know, now I'm all of a sudden going to have to buy formula because I chose to go back to school. And I'm like, no, no, no. And we like figured out the flange size and that's all it was. And like, she didn't have any more nipple pain or blisters or, you know, the cracks and the sores. So it can really make a huge difference, you know, for, for your baby and yourself of like, of having the right measurement. And as far as it being too small, there's, I feel like you would know right away that it's too small. It's just very much more common to have too big of one, but it can also, you know, be cracks, uh, blisters, bleeding, open sores, um, what have you. So it's bad. when that happens, but yeah, finding your right flange size is really key. I think to a lot, to your comfort, to your breast health, to keeping up your supply, to actually extracting the milk from your breast efficiently. Yeah. I really think that it can, it will break you if you don't have the right flange size, because you won't be getting the right amount of milk anyway. What I like to try to explain to moms is like, if you think about this hard plastic flange versus the baby's soft mouth, that hard plastic doesn't know how to form to your nipple size, right? Whereas like the baby's mouth, like they're going to know intuitively, instinctively how to go down to your nipple size. You know, it's just not the same 
it's like a a computer versus a person. Like you can't, so you have to really be like your own advocate and figure it out too. And I think the other thing, this is a whole nother topic, but I think that what oftentimes I see is that moms who only see like lactation help in the hospital, it doesn't seem to be as well versed in the hospital systems of like actually measuring moms. So Mm. very oftentimes they'll say, Oh, I saw lactation nurse at the hospital and they told me I look like I'm a 24 or I look like I'm a 28. And then they find out after like weeks of struggling, you know, and actually seeking help somewhere else. It's not to talk bad about, you know, any one service. It's just that it's just the reality too. I think of like time constraints and how far education, you know, is it needs to keep going across the board. So it's just a limit in our healthcare system right now is that lactation, unfortunately is not prioritized and that you can see that kind of through and through and the messages that parents are getting and the support that they receive and the language that's used and the lack of education that professionals have within the hospital system. It's just a, a limit that we have right now, which, you know, we are not shy about talking about those on this podcast. So what are some other problems that might pop up that would be discouraging to somebody other than you know, flange sizes being off and, or the things that come along with that. So cracked nipples, you know, bleeding, open sores, those things enough, that pain alone is enough to make somebody be like, fuck this. I am not doing this anymore. But what else may pop up? I guess in my mind, mastitis clogged ducts, are those on the list? Sure. Yeah. Um, mastitis and clogged ducts can also happen with the wrong flange size. Something that happens often with mastitis is moms wearing too tight of bras, um, very common actually. And I think that when you are, especially if you're a little bit bustier, I happen to be, you want to like, you want to have more support. So it feels good sometimes to wear that tight bra, but actually it doesn't help with like the lymphatic drainage and you Mm -hmm. really need to have like a wealth. It doesn't need to be loose, but it also really doesn't need to be super tight, like a sports bra and like, you know, keep them up high. So that's another issue that can come up. One Do you thing- have a favorite brand of nursing bras or pumping bras that people should check out? Yeah. So I really, Sarah Wells is one of my absolute favorite bras and I'll tell you why. I have a lot of other favorites, but I have an, I have this issue that if they don't have <clears throat> the clasps in the back that are adjustable for your, like the circumference of your, not waist, but you know, your underbust that are, we're like constantly changing. Right. So like you have the baby, you're super swollen or, you know, you, you have the, the weight is more present. Some people lose weight when they're breastfeeding and some people don't, some people can gain weight. Like there's so many variables. And I just like, I don't like bras that don't have that adjustable circumference on them, like the, the waist. So they're definitely one of my favorites and all of the different flanges, I think I've tried like 10 pumps in my journey. All of the flanges fit in that bra very, very well. It's very comfortable. I've also talked to a mom who like, she switched to the Sarah Wells bra and she immediately stopped having pain while she was pumping. So it is important to like, if you're pumping once in a while, you can get away with like, you know, a $19 bra on Amazon. Like that's not a problem. But when you need like to really have a well-fitted bra that's holding your flanges in place, that you can wear, you know, really wear it out. It's important to like, even if you spend a lot of money on one bra, you really like, it's important to have that as a part of your journey. Can you get away with just one bra or should you have more than one? I mean, I now have probably five that I'll keep for future babies, but 
I would say it would be good to have at least two. It obviously depends on how much you do laundry, but you'll do a lot of laundry anyway. <laughs> the spit up and whatever babies are <laughs> lovely and messy and all of the things. So, you know, when you have like a little bit of dried milk on your bra, like you're going to like want to wash it. But I would say at least having at least having two to rotate through. And then depending on like, if you end up getting a wearable pump or wearable collection cups or whatever, like you might want to, you know, look at other ones. There's other bra brands out there like Dairy Fairy who have, they have really nice lace bras that are nice. So you can wear it. Like I like to wear those under dresses because it feels a little more feminine for me and not so like, <laughs> um, <Mom. laughs> yeah. it was a little nicer, but yeah. And Love and Fit is also another one. They have really nice like sports bra type ones. So they're more like, more like active wear material, I guess. But I really like those too. So yeah. But as far as like one thing that I want to touch on too, if you do go down this journey or like you're on this journey or you're contemplating it, like it is super important to be your own advocate and say what you need from people. And I think this goes across the board through like, motherhood, especially in the new postpartum days is you have to say what you need. People can't read your mind and like your hormones are going crazy and like, you know, shit's just like hitting the fan sometimes. But if you have a good partner or some sort of support system that you can go to and say, or like with my husband, I knew that I was going to breastfeed no matter what it took, like no matter how many hours of sleep I lost, no matter like, I'm like, it's happening. I don't, there's no question. So when I like was triple feeding my son, cause he was jaundice and low birth weight and blah, 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 blah. I was triple feeding him. And one day I was just, I lost it. Like every time I would try to nurse him, this is another thing off topic, but immediately after I delivered my son, they brought me a nipple shield because they told me that my nipples were <clears throat> too short. And so one thing that I really like to tell people is like, sometimes healthcare, I'm a nurse. I know that I do this too, but sometimes healthcare professionals get into this, like, you know, we Rhythm. Use, yeah, we autopilot. Use, yeah. We use this lingo and we use these terms sometimes that we don't, of course that nurse didn't mean for it to sound, but I was like, well, now what do I, like, I can't change my boobs now. This is what I was born with, like what God gave me. So what am I like? And then to have the nipple shield brought to me. And so I was convinced that that was the only way I was going to nurse my son, which is a little tragic when you're like going through all those hormone shifts. And I was just devastated. I'll never forget. It was like devastating for me. And so I think that, you know, really no having that person, like basically what I'm trying to say is my husband knew that that's what I wanted to do was to breastfeed. Like formula wasn't an option. The first two days we did because he was drawn to us. Um, and they kind of like forced me into it. I felt, but anyway, that's another (laughs) topic. And, but my husband was like the cheerleader, you know, like he's like, whatever this takes. And so one day when I was triple feeding and my husband sat down on the ground next to me and he's like, cause I was crying and he's like, you can give into the pump. It's okay. Like that's still good. He's still going to get your breast milk. You're still, that's still breastfeeding. Like you can do this. And if that's what you want to do, just, you know, like, let's just use the pump. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So having that support person that knows your goals and is there to support you no matter what you choose, but can sometimes present an option that wasn't your preference 
in a very gentle and supportive way is all it takes to help you be like, there is another way that I could do this and still reach my goals, still feel confident in myself and still have my wits about me, not be so sad or be suffering from postpartum depression or be running myself ragged mental load wise or just any of it, right? There's a way that we can fold all of these things in and still meet our goals, even if it's different than what we had originally thought. Can you talk to us a little bit about the emotions that you felt making that pivot as someone who started your journey really, really committed to breastfeeding. I think your story, the reason I ask is because I think there's a lot of people out there who are probably being like, wow, that was me. I wanted to breastfeed so badly. Or maybe you're out there listening saying, this is me. I want to feed so badly, breastfeed so badly, nurse so badly. What will I do if I get there and I need to be an exclusive pumper or I can't? So what, how... How was that experience? I think it was super hard. Like at first it was almost like I, I definitely had postpartum <clears throat> depression, anxiety. This is just a side note, but I was way too proud to like admit it. I didn't want to go on any sort of medication. I just really wanted to like get through it myself. Looking back, I can now see all of that and like, but you can't change what you, what you did. So uh, we also live in Los Angeles and like, transportation is not that great. It's very hard to get on the highways here. People drive really crazy. So I just had all of the, like, I was deathly afraid that every time we got in the car that someone was going to hit us, you know, like it was just like this, those intrusive thoughts, you know, that <clears throat> some moms have, I had those. And so I was always convinced that we were going to die getting in the car. And this was like during COVID. And so like lactation support coming to your house, wasn't really very accessible. And so you had to go to the hospital and had to have like, anyway, it was just this whole thing. And so I was like, so overwhelmed by that. And so then I would like feel guilty about not going back to see lactation. I was like, well, you know, but then I was also, I was angry at the same time as like, I felt really sorry, but I was angry that those people <laughs> told me I needed a nipple shield. <clears throat> and then like the second lactation nurse that we saw immediately got my son to latch without the nipple shield. And so then I became very resentful of like, well, why did that nurse tell me this? And like, why have I been using this for two weeks now? And like, you know, anyway, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is you go through so many emotions just as being a new mom and trying to figure out this feeding thing. And then I felt like I was giving up on like that, that whole thing. Like I was giving up on breastfeeding. I was giving up on nursing. And then you also have like, depending on your generational differences with like mothers and grandmothers, my mom would say to me, like, just put him to the, just put him to the boob. Just try, just try, just keep trying. And it would be so frustrating and like defeating for me because it's like, on one hand, I felt like I was doing the right thing and what I was giving into the pump, which may sound like I was like a failure in some way, but it felt like the only option for me to actually successfully feed my son. And also the ounces thing for me, because he was drawn to us and the pediatrician, like, wanted to constantly know how much he was eating. And so I felt like if I was putting into the breast that I was like failing him in that way, because, you know, I didn't want him to go to the, back to the hospital and like, because of his jaundice. And so I don't know, I guess I just like, ultimately you go through and it's not over for me. Like this was, 
he's a year and a half. And I still think about all of these things. Like, I don't think that it's just like, you go through something and then it's over. Like you constantly have to, I I'm constantly like telling myself I did the right thing. Things are okay. I wasn't okay then, but we're okay now. Right. Like it's a process and it doesn't happen overnight. And there were so many times when I was exclusively pumping in the earlier months. And I would be like, I can't do this one more day. How am I going to do this one more day? If I have to clean one more stinking bottle, like fuck, you know, like yeah. it was, and you have to, but like, you're the only one, right? Like my husband would tell me all the time, you're the only one that has the boobs and the breast milk. Like you have to do this. I can't do it for you. And so that's the other thing too, is like, it's so much pressure, but it's not doable. It's just like one of those things that you kind of cope with and a sacrifice that you choose because you decide that breast milk and breastfeeding is what you want. So I don't know. It's, it's like giving into this, you have to like give into these are the circumstances. This is what's, you know, been dealt. It doesn't mean that it's good or bad. It just is. It's not what you maybe had it envisioned. It's definitely not what I thought was going to happen, but ultimately it did. And like, he's healthy and he's alive and he's wonderful and he's very smart (laughs) and I don't have any regrets about it now, but you know, you just really, I think you have to forgive yourself too. And like, what I wanted to say about, you know, nurses and doctors, sometimes the words that they use are not the most therapeutic, but it's not intentional. And so I have like, even though I go back to that scenario, like I think about that all the time, like your nipples are too short. That happens every single day. I guarantee that happens thousands of times a day throughout the hospital systems here, because it's just, it's also a lack of time, right? Like we've talked about that they have, and they have to meet like it's a check mark. Like I know that as a nurse, that's a check mark that they have to, you know, yet yes, the baby latched with a nipple shield because that's a part of it. But anyway, that's what I have to say. Jackie, did it feel like almost like a, a rite of passage mm-hmm. to do this? You talked about like you're the only one. You're the only one that has it. You're the only one that can do it. Nobody can do it for you. You have to power through. You have to master your mindset. You have to craft your will and 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 figure out what your determination is and, and kind of like be introspective in in some sorts. So did it feel like a rite of passage to do this? It sounds like it when you describe it, which is why I ask. Yeah. And I think it's also, I I don't like for anybody who's listening, I think it's also just a part of entering motherhood that, you know, you can read all the books, but like, until you're actually a mother, like until you have all those instincts and like, till you have that precious little thing in your arms, like you just, it's different. And then all of a sudden, like everything changes, even through pregnancy, like it still felt totally different once, you know, it feels different when they're out in the world and like, yeah, I don't know. I definitely think you're you're responsible, but I think also just in hindsight, if I had given up quote unquote and like switched to formula, I also would have been like my sleep wasn't worth it. You know, like so I just think like you have to really and also for anybody who's listening, like it's okay if you prioritize sleep as a part of your mental health and you need to like supplement at night because that's what's going to, you know, help the baby sleep longer, whatever, whatever feeding route you choose for your child. And like, 
whether breastfeeding is for you or not, it's all okay. Like not saying any one way is the right way, but like you have to choose and then stick with that and choose to forgive yourself for whatever, like things that you might be holding on to as well. So it's definitely a, it's a journey within yourself. You learn a lot about yourself. And I think there's a lot of like internal demons that sometimes have to be faced as you're making these decisions, the guilt and those big emotions that come up and navigating. Also, where did those come from, right? Some of them came from you, but some of them came from like silly things that society taught us that are like not even real. Okay. We've done a lot of talking about how hard things are. Being exclusively a pumper can also be really great for people. People love it, okay? So if you're out there being like, why in the hell would anyone choose this? These two have made it sound like a hell. People love it, okay? There are so many exclusive pumpers out there who do actually enjoy it. So let's talk about the benefits. Let's talk about why people choose to be an exclusive pumper and they like it. Yeah. So for me, when I switched exclusively pumping, I at first didn't like it. And then, you know, once you get into the groove, like I can, I call it a sport exclusively. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a totally different skill set from nursing, but it is just like, it gives you, I don't know, I guess other exclusively pumping moms who do end up loving. And I really do think once you get the hang of it and once you meet like your first goal, like for me, it was at first it was, okay, I'm going to, I just want to get to six months. Like that was my, I'm like, I just need to do this for six months. And then I got to six months and I was like, well, now it's getting easier because as they get older, you can start dropping pump sessions because you can space them out further because they're eating more ounces and you can right. So like you have more freedom in your day. And then you just like, you buy another pump that maybe makes you more like mobile and portable. And then it, it just keeps getting easier. And then there's some sort of satisfaction of knowing how much they're eating every day. And then also like, I don't know, it's, it sort of sounds like psychotic when I'm trying explaining it out loud, actually, then you also know what's affecting your milk supply. So like, you know, when you're like, I got my period back and you can also tell when your milk supply goes down a little bit because of your hormone shift. And so I don't know, it's just like, it's wild, but it's actually enjoyable once you're good at it. And also you just get into this routine of like, I would listen to a podcast while I clean bottles or like music or something. Like I would find something to distract myself from thinking about how much I didn't actually want to clean, but otherwise it really wasn't that bad. And then I would think about like teething. And then, you know, when the baby starts biting your nipples, like there's all these other things that are like, you know, there's a plus side sometimes to like things that you really wish that you and then you can talk to a girlfriend who's like, oh yeah, it was like such a struggle for me once they were like biting my nipple or like whatever and getting distracted and playing with my hair instead of actually eating at the breast. And two, like one of my mom friends who's an exclusive pumper, she had to return back to work relatively quickly. And so she was like, it was just easier for me. Like it was easier to like be in the routine of pumping. And then it was like not a hard transition when I went back to work versus if you're, you know, nursing a lot and then you go back to work and then you're like, again, like learning a totally different sport. But I think a lot of it at the end of the day comes down to knowing how much your baby is getting. There's some sort of like relief in that. And I don't know if that's like a 
generational thing or like just I don't know if like the world is changing because if you think about like 50 years ago like plenty of moms nursed and nobody knew how many ounces their baby was getting but they were healthy and growing and thriving so like you know I don't know if it's just like a or a cultural thing because but with formula you obviously know how much your baby's getting <laughs> so I don't know I th- I think there's some sort of like power and control in it and then And then the flip side to that is also like when you decide to wean, because usually the mom's the one that decides to wean because the baby doesn't like start refusing the breast or anything, you know? So there's like a power in that and like knowing when you get to stop, but then feeling guilty, like, well, if they were still at the breast, like maybe they would still be breastfeeding and did I cut them too short or whatever. So, but it can be a great thing. Mom guilt is a bitch. It just is. And you're going to have it no matter what, right? It's either going to be about your feeding routine or you going back to work or are you a good enough mom or are the clothes that you're putting them in good enough? Like it sneaks in there in so many things. I think that if you're questioning, if you're a good mom, if you're questioning, if you're doing enough, you are. Good moms probably don't ask, am I a good mom? <laughs> you know, moms that aren't taking care of their children aren't wondering if they're doing enough. So just by you asking that lets me know that you are a good mom. I have had such a good conversation here. I've learned so much about being an exclusive pumper and adding this option into your toolbox as needed. It can be your full-time thing. It can be a temporary thing in the beginning. It can be a supplemental thing that you add in addition to. I did want to touch on one last thing though. In the very beginning, you talked about, I made a lot of mistakes and I wanted to know some of the mistakes that you see exclusive pumpers make that maybe after this conversation, our audience could hopefully avoid. I also would love to hear if any of those are like rampant misinformation on the internet. When you said mistakes earlier, like mommy groups on Facebook came to my mind and they make me tweak out because some of the misinformation in there is so bad. And it just, oh, it makes me go nuts. So can you tell us the top three or four mistakes that you see exclusive pumpers make and maybe how people could avoid that? So the first is by far a flange size. Like if you don't have that figured out, it's going to be a failure, not a failure. It's going to be a huge struggle until you get to that point where you figure it out. Something will eventually happen that you'll Google it. If you haven't sought help from a lactation counselor, but at some point you'll eventually figure out that that is probably what was causing your issues, but flange size, and then using your pump settings the incorrect way. So like, for example, one of the very common pumps out there is the spectra. And when you turn it on, it starts in expression mode and you don't want to start in expression mode. You want to start in stimulation mode. So I have a lot of moms that were using it backwards. So like, and it's not as comfortable, it's more comfortable if you're start starting out in stimulation mode versus expression mode, because the suction is going to be different. It's more comfortable when you're just trying to stimulate the nipple to have a letdown. And so I think that Like you just assume that once you start using a product that it's just going to work the way that like, it seems it would work, but sometimes the manufacturers don't like think the way that, that the user is thinking. 
So it's really important to actually know the information. Even if you read the manual, there's still moms that don't understand how to use it. So even if you've read the manual, you can still like, I'm not saying to like go crazy on the internet, but I would find like reputable sources that you can find on the internet that are like credentialed so that you can know that they're somewhat legit. Hopefully there are of course, people on TikTok who are saying they're lactation consultants that are not. So be careful where you get your information, but like know how to use any products that you're buying and make sure you're using it correctly. And then also reach out to the manufacturer. So like I think people are a little intimidated, but they're actually very helpful. They might not give you all the information that you need, but they can definitely be a tool that leads you in the right path. And they, they'll they be like, oh yeah. And a lot of them actually have lactation consultants or counselors on their team that can help you troubleshoot. So use a credible source for sure. And then one of my biggest pet peeves, like going back to kind of like the Facebook mommy groups, whatever. It's like, if you go on TikTok, there's this one TikTok that I just immediately, I wish that I could report it a hundred times over again. And it drives me effing crazy. Like you have to remember the only marketing is a very, very powerful tool. And the only people who essentially make money on breast milk are the people who make the breast pumps or like the storage bags there's just not a lot. So like these breast pump companies, sometimes in my opinion, my humble opinion is that, you know, people make TikToks and they get paid to make these TikToks about like how great their milk supply is because this one breast pump. And like, that's just not the case. And don't fall for like these marketing tools of like these women just gushing with milk. And like, this is going to be you. I mean, gushing when I say gushing, it was this woman's TikTok was gushing with milk. She just kept having to switch the bottles over. And I'm like, that's such a, that's such a disgusting thing to be showing moms. I'm sorry, but like. And deceiving. Yeah. It's so deceiving. That's deceptive <laughs> through and through. A hundred percent. And then like, you know, moms are sitting here wondering why they're a failure or why their body's not working the way that mom's is. It's like, well, that's actually not normal. That's the exception to the rule. But like that person happened to go viral. So like, even for me, when I was looking at which breast pump to use, I bought the LV as my second one. So I could be more mobile, but you just have to be careful. Like I went and watched these moms on YouTube and they were like, this is so great. And like, life is so easy. And I don't have like, nothing is hard anymore because I have this breast pump. And I was like, okay, that's the one I'm going to get. But like, it's the same shit. It's just like a different product that happened to let you get off the couch or like, you know, in the car. So anyway, I I guess my rant is remember that there's a lot of paid advertising in TikToks and reels. And it doesn't mean that it's like accurate information. And also just like a side note, if you're wondering where to spend your money, I tell moms this all the time before you go buy three more pumps or whatever other like nipple cream or whatever you think is going to solve the problem, like use your money, invest in a lactation consultant or counselor use it with a professional instead of like trying to buy all the things that look really, again, like the advertising for those things was easy to find, but like finding the right person to help you is invaluable. It's much more important to invest your money in somebody who can help you like troubleshoot and figure out where things are maybe not going the right way and how to make that better and more efficient versus just buying five breast pumps and then being like, okay, like this isn't working out or you know, whatever the case may be. I'm just saying like invest in the person instead of the product is sometimes much more valuable. 
And if you invest in a professional that knows what they're doing, they'll be able to come mm-hmm. into your home and tell you exactly what product you need if you need one. And that way you don't have to spend a bunch of money trying all the products. You just buy the one that is appropriate for you that you need that will help you. And then it's not wasted money and it's not wasted time. And it's not, you know, that extra mental load of like, oh my God, this didn't work. All right. The life of an exclusive pumper. No, this was, this was a great conversation. I think this illustrated beautifully what this option looks like for a lot of families, why you might explore this option, what scenarios might, you know, for lack of a better term, force you into this option, even if it wasn't what your preference was. And I'm really glad that we got to talk about both the downsides and the upsides. And then I think more importantly, your your takeaway here or what I want your takeaway to be here is you need to find the right support and that includes your flange sizes. So when you decide to use your pump, whether you're exclusive pumping or not, make sure that you do have the right flange size for your body. Or like Jackie said, it's going to be, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be a struggle. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us today, this week. It has been so much fun hanging out with you. Jackie, before we go, where can people find you to connect with you online? And do you see people virtually for lactation support? I do. So I'm on Instagram. My handle is pumped up mama. And I do do virtual consults. That's actually all I'm doing right now, just with my busy life. It's easier for me to do it from home. So I'd be happy to offer a pumping consultation to anybody who needs one, but yeah, pumped up mama. And then also my website is pumpedupmama.com. So yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks for your time. I know your time is valuable and thanks for just being here. This has been so informative and it's been a joy to have you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Until next time. Bye. Hey, y'all. If you guys are looking for one-to-one breastfeeding or formula feeding or bottle feeding support, and you want to work with our team, I'll drop a link below so that you can get signed up with that. We truly do come to you with open arms about finding out what goals are best for your family and your baby and then helping you create action plans to get there. Something that is sustainable and easily fits into your lifestyle. Remember, you always have options. So if you are feeling lost when it comes to feeding your baby or you feel like you don't have the proper support, reach out to us so my team can get you some help. We want to help you reach your goals where you get to really enjoy being a parent. It's no fun to always be stressed out and feeding your humans is nothing that's going away anytime soon. So I want you to get really good at it. I want you to be comfortable with it. And I want you to feel like you are making the right choices for you and your baby. I will drop a link for that below. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. 
If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident.